0: Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students podcast. This week, we continue our series on hope by talking about the hope we have when it comes to disease and death. Follow along as we look at a story from the life of Jesus in Luke 8, verses 40 through 56. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, I hope you guys are doing well. We are uh, in a series that happens to be titled The Last Word of That Song, Uh, believe it or not. It's just called Simply Hope. And uh, I hope that you guys were here last week. If you weren't, you might want to go back and listen to that message, partly because as we kicked off the series, we defined what biblical hope is. Uh, if you weren't here last week, though, don't worry, I will define it for you right now. Basically, we said this, that a lot of times when we think of the word hope, we think about it more like wishful thinking, like, I hope that that happens. I hope that I get this thing for Christmas. I hope that uh, my family chooses to go on this vacation or that vacation. I hope that this guy or girl likes me. Hopefully nobody in the room is thinking like that, but I know that some of you are. But it's wishful thinking. It's not like, It's not for sure, right? It's not for sure, 100,000% that you are going to get that thing for Christmas or your birthday. It's not for sure that this guy or girl is actually going to return the like that you have for them. Uh, That kind of hope, wishful thinking kind of hope, is not 100% sure. It's just, man, I hope that that will happen. And we said that biblical hope, and we saw from the Psalms, is actually more about waiting, It's not about wishful thinking, it's more about waiting and waiting for something that is 100,000% sure to come, sure to happen. It's more like, man, hoping for spring break, like you are waiting with anticipation and longing and excitement for spring break or for summer break. It is something that will happen, whether it feels like it will right now or not, because some of you are like, man... Spring break, it's, how, how, how long is it? Like two weeks away? Like it feels like it's an eternity away. Well, that's, that's kind of what hope, uh, when we look at the Bible, that's, that's what that hope looks like. It's more about waiting than wishful thinking. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to keep talking about hope, not defining it each week, even though I'm sure I'll come back to that definition, but looking at what does it look like to have hope in the midst of some of our difficult situations in the world that we live in. Uh, we, we do live in a very broken and messed up world. All you have to do right now is turn on the TV and see what is happening in Ukraine and, and, and what Russia is doing over there. And just uh, no, no matter what you think about what's going on, people are losing their lives. And many of them are people who do not want to be a part of what's happening. And it's extremely sad. It's extremely messed up. It's, it's extremely broken. And that is a, a situation where maybe you even feel a sense of hopelessness as you watch it. That is an area of life that needs Hope. But it doesn't have to be something that's happening around the world for you to need hope. There are things that happen uh, in your life every single day. Maybe things that are going on in your family that you just can't seem to see the light at the end of the tunnel or stuff that you're dealing with at school or with different friendships or relationships in your life where, man, you just, you just need some, some hope. Maybe it's the one that we're actually talking about this morning, which is, is healing. Hope for healing. Uh, I've actually had a few people in my life who were going through some pretty serious surgeries in the last two weeks. One of them is a guy, he is in his 80s, and he's kind of a a spiritual father to uh, my dad. And so he's, he's a really close family friend. And in a lot of ways, a mentor to me. And he, he's in his 80s, and he's been having some heart issues for a while, and finally was going to be uh, under the knife, so to speak, and was going to have open heart surgery, which for anybody kind of sounds pretty scary. But for somebody in their 80s, it sounds like really scary. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a, a risky situation, and there was even some debate on, does he really, really need this? Like, is he going to have to have it? And so surely, we, we were like on our knees. We were praying. We were asking God, hey, will you intervene? Like, we need we need you. We need you to show up. We need some hope in the midst of... This situation and that guy, he actually had the surgery. I think about two weeks ago now, almost almost a week and a half ago. And he came out on the other side of it, and he's recovering. And God met us there and answered the prayer. And the surgery went well. All the doctors knew what they were doing, apparently. And uh, this this guy, uh, a really important figure in my life and my family's life, is doing awesome. God showed up. Uh, there's another instance of friend <clears throat> he's a he's a pretty big boy you know i'm i'm not uh, i'm like wide right i'm broad shouldered but my friend's like tall and he's he's just a big big guy And uh, there were some questions about whether he was big or, like, too big to get surgery on his back. He found out just a few months ago that he had, like, four or five bulging discs in his back. And so you can imagine, like, I'm not even sure exactly what a bulging disc means, but that's a lot of pain in his back. He was dealing with it not just in his back, but it was affecting the rest of his body, and it was becoming more and more clear that he was going to need Back surgery, which anytime you get back surgery, there's always questions about, is it going to go well? Is there going to be something that happens in the surgery that actually more negatively affects his life or whoever's life it is that's having back surgery? And so we were praying for my friend, and he had that surgery just this week. And the surgery, like we were waiting, waiting, taking longer than expected. That doesn't feel like a good thing, but maybe it is. On the other side of it, he's now doing great and working on recovery. God met us there as we asked him uh, to meet us there, and he provided hope in some situations that that really for my friend who's in his 80s, that is kind of a life-death situation. For my friend who's younger, uh, just a little bit older than me, it is a situation where maybe it wasn't so life and death, but it could have been life-altering, and God, God met us there. But we know that Not all the time, just because we pray and just because we ask God to do something or to bring healing or to uh, take away a disease or whatever it is, does he show up in the same ways that he showed up for my friends? In fact, I think I've told you guys this, but over the last six months on my side of the family and my wife's side of the family, we've seen six people, six family members, uh, some extended, some a little closer than others, uh, pass away. And one of them had cancer. One of them had some liver issues. Um, a couple of them were just older. One of them died because of, of COVID. And those were, those were instances. It wasn't like, hey, the way you prayed for these guys who just had surgery, why didn't you just pray like that? You don't think we were? Man, for years praying for these guys who had liver issues and, and the, the other guy who had cancer, for years and years asking God, show up, take this away, bring healing, bring a miracle. But for some reason, in those instances, he didn't show up the same way. And, and maybe you've got things like that in your life. Maybe it's something that you, you struggle with. I don't know how many of you in here have some sort of illness, sickness that, that maybe hinders you more than, than I realize it or more than the person next to you realizes it. But it's something that you live with every day and you're asking God, would you take it away? Or maybe it's a family member or a close friend in the same way that I've had some of those people recently in my life, and they're dealing with something that there is no cure for, there is no immediate help for. And you're watching them and wondering and asking, God, why and when and how are you going to show up? Will you show up? These moments in our, our life and the lives of our friends and family, these can often feel like hopeless moments. Like, where, where's the hope in the middle of this debilitating disease? Where's the hope in the midst of surgery that didn't go as well as Dallas's people who recently had surgery in their lives? Where's the hope in these situations? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Hope for healing is kind of what we're calling this message. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 40 to 46 and see some moments of God showing up and healing people and ask some of these same questions. Uh, I know that uh, at least one of you this morning has brought their Bible for maybe the first time or first time in a long time. Uh, I'm going to keep encouraging you guys. You are totally fine if you want to use it on on your screens, your phones, or if you want to just look at the screen. We always will have the scripture on the screen behind me, but I'm telling you there's something about uh, opening up the scriptures, getting the... The smell of the the smell of the trees right there as you do so. No, but but really there is something like scientifically in our minds where words connect when we're reading it from the ink and paper in a different way. Uh, And I I think in some ways that that they connect not just with our minds, but with our hearts as well. And so I'm going to keep encouraging you guys. In fact, here's like a, a fun encouragement just to read your Bible, period. Uh, I've been trying to go through the, the CBR journal uh, that we have at the church where basically it just the church uh, on our app and on our website has like, hey, just read this chapter every single day. And the kind of big picture idea is, man, isn't it awesome that uh, anybody in our church can join in and we're all reading the same chapter from the Bible every day and just seeing what God what God says to us. So I've been trying to do that for a while and uh, I've been pretty good about it recently. Admittedly, I miss some days. Okay, guys, I will confess to you. Uh, but we, I was reading it this week and, um, and one day I woke up, I ended up having breakfast, breakfast with a student. It was kind of early, so I hadn't yet read my Bible, was talking with, some student, with the student about some things that were going on in his life and the lives of people around him. Hey, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this moment. And uh, kind of said, you know, hey, well, maybe, maybe you're just supposed to take care of what you have in front of you. Like, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just kind of focus on uh, what's going on in your life. He left, went to school, and I was like, man, I haven't read my my CBR, haven't read my chapter yet. Open up my Bible, and I'm reading in Colossians, and it literally says basically the same thing that we had just talked about. Hey, live worthy, like live like somebody who is actually a son or daughter of God and make the most of every opportunity that you have throughout the day. And I was like, what the heck? This is is literally what we were just talking about. So I took that verse, sent it in a text, and said, man, let this be encouragement for you today. And And my point in that is that, Man, sometimes the things that we're talking about, the things that we're looking for answers for, the places where we need hope, sometimes where God wants to provide the answer, provide the hope, provide the word is actually in his word. But I know, because we just did a whole spiritual temperature check thing just a few weeks ago, and thank you guys for being honest. Uh, I'm assuming that most of you, the majority of you were, because there were a lot of no's and not all yeses. so we appreciate that. But I know that many of us are not opening up our Bibles on a regular basis and not hearing from the Word of God or reading from the Word of God. And yet, I also know that God does want to say something, does want to speak to you on, on a more regular basis than you're currently hearing from Him. So... Plug to read your Bibles. Plug to bring your physical Bibles on Sunday morning. Let's read uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 8, starting in verse 40. Now, this is, uh, this is Jesus. <clears throat> he's started his earthly ministry at this time. He's been going around. He's been healing people. He's been teaching to people. And uh, we see him as he goes on his way in these interactions right now. These may be familiar for you, but hopefully we can see it in a fresh way and, uh, and see where we can find hope when there are people in need of healing or maybe when we're in need of healing. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. So in some ways, this is like uh, scene, scene one, right? Jesus is coming back. I think he's getting out of a boat at this point, and the crowd is waiting for him as he has arrived, which maybe he was uh, looking forward to. Maybe he was trying to find some rest, but either way, he's ready uh, to have compassion on these people and to talk with them and interact with them. And this guy named Jairus, everybody turn to your neighbor and say, Jairus. Turn to your other neighbor and say, "That'll be my firstborn child, Jairus. OK. OK, yeah, okay. oh yeah, yeah, me neither, me neither. Yeah. My firstborn is Jairus. Uh That's not the name of my firstborn. It's Owen Graham, okay. Um, Jairus comes up and says, "Jesus, and he's a leader in the synagogue, right? Which is kind of interesting because a lot of the people who were leaders within the Jewish community, they were, they were questioning, like, "Hey, Are we supposed to be following this guy, Jesus? Like, who actually is he? He's been doing some crazy things. Feels like he's kind of trying to take some of our power, like they had some really greedy interests there and some reasons why they felt like they couldn't trust Jesus. But here is somebody who probably is like at the point of, hey, I don't know what else to do. And if this guy, Jesus, has been healing, then maybe he can do the same thing for my daughter who is on her deathbed right now. And Maybe this brings it a little close to home for you guys, but but she would have been like your age. She's a 12-year-old girl. Maybe somebody in this room has been at that point, and I I just don't even realize it, or maybe you know somebody, you have a friend who's been so sick that people were just wondering, man, what's going to happen? That's the moment that Jairus is in right now, that his family's in. And he goes to Jesus. Seemingly having enough faith to say man if anybody can do it maybe maybe it's jesus so he says hey come come to my house i have my daughter she's dying she's only 12 she's too young that's scene 1 Scene two kind of shifts, and we see another character enter. So Jesus seems to agree to go to Jairus's house, and the next uh, half of, of verse 42 says, As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman <clears throat> who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. This is kind of like scene two switches to this lady, right? Jesus, okay, yes, Jairus, we're going to go and and see what's going on at your house, see what's going on with your daughter. And as Jesus is going, I kind of picture it like if we were all crowded up here, maybe we're singing a worship song together. But everybody's in this room and Jesus is just kind of, or in this area, and Jesus is trying to make his way from one side of the stage to the other he's really trying to make his way from point A to point B being Jairus' house and people are closing in around him the crowds are closing in around him just to get a, a a view of this guy or maybe just to get get a touch of this guy sometimes I think about it like uh, and we're gonna see why in just a second but you know celebrities when celebrities are coming through and pe- people are weird right I'm, I'm not saying like if this is you that, that you're weird but you are okay but but it's like man if, if I could just if I could just get a finger on their hair right I would never wash this finger again. I knew that somebody would be able to relate to that. Uh, or, I mean, people have had, had celebrities like sign their arm and they're like, I'm never washing this arm again, right? Or they put a plastic bag over that section or something. People are weird, okay? And I, I think that, that people were still weird in Jesus' day or were weird back in Jesus' day. And they're crowding around him. Just if I could get a piece of him, if I could just see him, if I could just touch him. And that seems to actually be what this lady was looking for. We find out with this second character in the story. First, we got Jairus. Next, we got this, this lady that she had had an issue, not to get too graphic, but she had had an issue with bleeding that hadn't stopped, like I think for periods of time it did, but it would come back and, and go away, come back and go away. And she couldn't, she couldn't find a solution. She couldn't find a cure. She couldn't figure out what's going to help me, what's going to make me live a normal life like other people. And she had been dealing with it for 12 years, which is a really long time to deal with any kind of medical issue like that. And while it seems like Jairus is like on his last, hey, what else could help me? Maybe it'll be Jesus. We actually get information that this lady has spent a lot of money and gone to a lot of different people and tried to find the solution, tried to find the cure for her disease, for her sickness, and she can't. So what does she do? She comes close to Jesus. She's in the midst of this crowd. And verse 44 says, She came up behind him, behind Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. So she's not as weird as the people who might have wanted to touch his hair, right? Uh, And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? Right? So remember, Get the scene, like a huge crowd of people. We said, if everybody in this room like gathered up, that's kind of how I picture it. It was probably more people than this. But he's going through the crowd and one lady, right? Remember, how hard do you think it would be to get from one side of the room to the other if all of us were right here? It'd be really, really hard. Like surely, you know, you're gonna bump into people. She just touches the the fringe of his garment. Just the fringe of, of his robe. And she's instantly healed. And Jesus somehow knows it hey, who who touched me, right? Verse 45 says, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, so everybody's like, uh, I'm not going to tell him, right? <laughs> but what's going to happen? Like, he can heal people. Can he do the opposite to people as well, right? I don't know what people are thinking. But Peter said, master, the crowds surrounded you and are pressing in on you. Like, are are you serious? I think a lot of people just touched you, Jesus. Like, People, they're never going to wash any part of themselves again, right? Like, my, my goodness, Jesus, everybody's around you. What do you mean? Who, who was it that touched you? But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceived that power had gone out from me. That's kind of crazy. Jesus knew. How, how did he know somebody had touched him? Because he knew that in a moment that somebody touched him, somebody, we're going to see in just a second, but... Somebody's faith, their belief in him, their trust in him, resulted in them finding healing in him. Jesus is going to say that in just a minute. So he realizes, man, power has gone out for me. Verse 47, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him, uh, falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is kind of closed scene for this lady. But in the midst of the crowd, she reaches out, touches his garment in a moment, 12 years of trying to figure out what's wrong with me. 12 years of trying to pay people to figure out what's wrong with me. 12 years of struggle. 12 years of wondering when is this gonna stop? Why is this happening? 12 years of needing something to happen. It makes me think of some of the people that I just recently had passed away, who maybe it wasn't for 12 years, but it was for four or five or six years, were dealing with some of the issues that was happening in their body. And they, they kept wondering, when is this gonna happen? When, or when is this gonna stop? Is it gonna stop? How is it gonna stop? God, bring us a miracle, do something, show up. And I'm sure that this lady was thinking the same kind of things. Maybe you have people in your life who come to mind as you think about this story. I'm sure that she had cried out to God before. I'm sure that she had asked him. I'm sure that, I'm sure that she had gone to religious leaders. She, she had paid all kinds of doctors and stuff. Surely she had gone to religious leaders and said, Do something about this. Pray for me. Anoint me. Give me something that helps me. And nothing had worked. But in a moment, she touches Jesus' garment and is healed. Sometimes God doesn't work in the same ways. We wish he would. He doesn't work immediately. He doesn't work right now. He doesn't work on our time. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. But if for this lady, if he had worked immediately, if he had worked as soon as he asked her, if, if, if he had worked the first time she went to a religious leader and called out and asked God to do something, we would never know her story. We would never be reading it today. There's a reason That God has his time and it doesn't always end up lining up with our time. The first guy comes back into play. Jesus keeps moving through the crowd. I'm sure a lot of other people were trying to get at him. But in verse 49, it says, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Man, Jesus. Man, God, you waited too long again. This woman, why'd you have to wait 12 years? Now you've made this guy wait. You've made Jairus wait because you couldn't just like like levitate over the crowds or something crazy. Like you couldn't just, like you parted the Red Sea, just part the crowd so you can get to Jairus' house. And now his daughter's dead. What? God, why didn't you show up like I wanted you to show up? Why are you not taking care of this? And we know that she's like dead, dead, right? Because the guy says, hey, don't even bother the teacher anymore. Like, she's, she's gone. She's dead. There's no hope. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except for Peter and John and James. These were kind of his three closest uh, amigos uh, when it comes to the disciples. And he also let the father and the mother of the child come in. Verse 52 says, And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but she is sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Now, don't, don't hear this wrong. Jesus isn't making a sick joke. He's not, he's, he's not saying something that's inappropriate here. But he's, he's saying, No, she's not dead. She's sleeping because he knows what's about to happen. She's about to wake up. She's about to come back. She's about to rise up as if she was sleeping. And then the, the crowd, they're not laughing at him because, hey, that's a really dark joke to make at this time. And man, isn't that so funny? No, they're like, are you, are you serious? This is, this is scorn. This is like, how dare you say that? What? Who do you think you are? No, she's dead. We're mourning not because she's sleeping, but because she actually is dead, dead, no coming back. Who does this guy think he is? But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them not to tell, uh, not to tell no one what had happened. Charged them to tell no one what had happened. I knew I was reading that kind of wrong. That's our God. He is a healer. He is fully able. He is fully capable. And even when people thought she was dead, dead, he brought her back to life. And how do we know that she was alive, alive? Well, they got her something to eat. She gets to eat now. She's, she's back from the dead. She's alive, alive, and she was dead, dead. And then Jesus tells him not to say anything to anyone about what had just happened. Short little thing on that, and then we'll talk about what this means for us and hope, is probably two reasons why he did this. One, like, man, you think that dead girl, now alive, isn't gonna get like the same kind of publicity, like celebrity status that Jesus has right now? Like everybody's gonna be wanting to know this girl, wanting to, man, if I could just touch her robes, if I could just get a little piece of her hair. People are weird i and I think he's, he did that to try to protect this girl. The other reason is Jesus was, in some ways, he knows like, hey, as soon as people find out that this happened, other people are gonna come after me and could be talking like government, could be talking more religious officials, and it wasn't yet his time to be crucified. Just little thoughts about that, because that phrase always interests me. Like, why would Jesus tell them not to tell anybody? Like, that's kind of awesome. Wouldn't you wanna tell everybody you know? Wouldn't you wanna like be Snapchatting people saying, oh, she back, right? Like, but they didn't have Snapchat Back in the day, I guess I couldn't do that. But that little piece of that. So, what can we take away when it comes to hope for healing in this in these situations? One big, huge thing that sometimes I know that we know it, but I think that we forget it in how we live is this is that God is over all sickness and all death. All of it. He has full power, he has full rule and reign, he has full capability over all disease, all sickness, all hurting, all death. He can do away with it in a moment if he chooses. He can use it for his glory if he chooses. He has full power over all of that. And I know that we know it, but I think we often forget it. How do I know that? Because sometimes in our prayers, it just feels like, man, I don't know. God, would would you just heal her? But in the back of our mind, For some of us, there's this little voice that's like, "Eh, but he won't. I'm going to ask it because I probably should. I, I really doubt that he will. We would be able to circle it on a paper. Is God all powerful? Is God powerful over death and disease? Yes. But man, when it comes to our prayers, when it comes to our faith, like we see the people here, we forget it. Now understand this, that these people, it wasn't, hey, just because you have this much faith or just because you believe the right things, this is why, but, but they, they were people. There, there seems to be something about our faith that helps us to move forward differently. That when we believe, hey, God really is powerful over disease and death, man, that, that he really can do anything. That's why these people came to him. Hey, maybe he really is that powerful. Jairus, on his last leg, maybe maybe he can heal my, my daughter who is on her deathbed. This lady who had been struggling for 12 years with this illness. Maybe this is my chance. Maybe this really is the guy who can, can heal me, and he did. There seems to be something when it comes to our faith. So do we have it in the right things? Do we have our faith, our trust in Jesus? He is a God first who who is powerful over disease and death. There's something that's kind of like a third, third story that's not really in here though, right? Is that not all stories end this way. For Jairus and his daughter, like, he comes to Jesus, and I know, like, Jesus waited a little bit, and she ended up dying, but for the most part, it was pretty immediate. And sometimes that's, that's how we see God work. Honestly, for my friends who went through surgery, that's what it felt like. Like, it was immediate healing. It was immediate, hey, surgery went well, and they're on their way to recovery. The other story of this woman who'd been dealing for 12 years with, with an issue, hers took a lot longer, and sometimes God chooses to take longer, when it comes to bringing healing, when it comes to bringing, uh, bringing restoration to a situation, but sometimes God doesn 't bring healing at all for my family members who passed away that it wasn't it wasn 't in the cards for them to be completely healed it, it was it was clearly their time to go why where 's the hope in that? I think that as much as we put our our trust and our belief in a God who is all-powerful over disease and death. The second part of hope in these hopeless situations is that all of our earthly, heal, all of our earthly hurting will one day end in eternal healing. All sickness, all death, all pain... All sadness, all tears, all areas in our life where we feel like we need healing and we're calling out for God to bring healing because of Jesus will end in eternal healing. That even the person who struggles with something for years and years and years and God never takes it away and eventually they die having struggled with that for a long period of time in their life. That if they have put their trust and their faith in Jesus as Lord and King, that on the other side of this world and this life, there is healing for them in the presence of God. That even if God doesn't show up like we want him to, how we want him to, when we want him to, that if we have placed our trust and our life in the hands of him, he will ultimately bring healing on the other side of this life. That is good news. Guys, I, I, don't, I don't want you to be fooled by this passage. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. God, God doesn't always show up like we want him to. Let my life and my stories that I gave you at the beginning of the morning be a testament to that. There are people who will tell you, if you have enough faith, if you just have the faith that Jairus had, if you just had the faith that that lady had to just reach out and touch, then you're gonna be healed in whatever's, Whatever you want, God's just going to give it to you. That's not how he works. He is God and we are not. But our hope is that he is God and we are not and that he is God over death and disease and he is God who will eventually give us eternal healing for all things, for all people who are his children. That's where our hope lies. This, This waiting hope. Waiting, knowing that eventually God will bring eternal healing. So what do we do in the meantime? How does this help us in the meantime? If, if this disease, if this sickness ends up being the death of the person that we love, or maybe one day the death of us, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? This is why I think this biblical idea of hope being waiting, not just wishful thinking, is so powerful. Because I know that as, as spring break approaches for you, you guys will start to live a little bit differently. You start to walk with a pep in your step. Ooh, three more days, right? Ooh, two more days. Ooh, one more day. It changes your demeanor. It changes your posture. It changes how you go about school, not just how you walk and talk to people. But man, if I can wrap this stuff up and I don't have to have any any homework over spring break, isn't that amazing? See, hope that is waiting isn't just like, hmm, so I'll I'll just be over here till God brings the healing. But no, this waiting kind of hope, it should influence how we live right now. So we pray like we know, hey, one day there will be eternal healing, but we pray like we know that right now God might wanna bring some healing in the world that we live in. We walk, yes, have, have feelings, have emotions. This isn't about, hey, so we shouldn't be sad. We shouldn't cry. We shouldn't do any of that. No, we are, we are humans. We are meant to have the full range of emotions. But in the midst of our emotions, do we know that there is a God who is watching over everything and is still in full control and we still can cry out to him and go to him with all that we have? It changes this kind of hope that is waiting for our God. It changes how we live right now. It doesn't just make us sit on the couch and wait Hey, God, you just do whatever you wanna do. Now when it makes us go to him, it makes us talk differently about the situation that we're going through. It makes us look with a new perspective, a different lens on, on the people and, and the circumstances that we're in the midst of. It changes us now, not just one day. That's the kind of biblical hope, the waiting kind of hope that we're talking about. That's the kind of hope that we can have in our God. That's the kind of hope that we see in the scriptures this morning. And that's the kind of hope that I wanna have in the midst of these circumstances. And by God's grace, me and my wife and our family, we were able to have, even as we were going through all these different issues with people passing away in our lives just recently. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for being all powerful. Thank you that in the midst of situations that we have no control over, you are still very much in control. God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust that reality. And God, for the situations that many of us are in the middle of right now, <clears throat> where we know we need healing, we need breakthrough, we're, we, are, we are looking for you to show up. We, we pray that you would. That you would bring healing as, as your will, uh, as, as just as you see fit. That you would help us to have perspective that lets us see you in the midst of all the struggling that's going on. That you would help us to live with eternal things in mind, knowing that one day, even if things aren't fixed and aren't healed and the brokenness isn't put back together here on this earth, right in front of our eyes, that one day in eternity we will experience the fullness of life and you and health. We'll experience that with you. We love you, Lord. Pray that we would have hope, even for healing this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.